0: Welcome to BIV Today, the daily business podcast from the newsroom of Business in Vancouver. I'm Kurt Lepointe, editor in chief, and our podcast is brought to you today by the Downtown Vancouver Business Improvement Association. The DVBIA supports and promotes and represents the shared interest of 7,000 businesses and property owners in the central 90 block area of Vancouver's downtown core. So, we're in the thick of tax season, which for many Canadians is the one time of year to reflect on our earnings. And if we're fortunate, our wealth. There are, of course, those who think about their earnings and wealth every day, almost every waking moment of that day. And they plan and execute extensive financial strategies. They have a discipline about their holdings, they have techniques for prosperity. My guest on the podcast today is Tom McCullough. He brings 35 years of wealth management experience, first with RBC Wealth Management and then establishing the highly regarded Northwood Family Office. In 2003, he's an adjunct professor at the Rotman School of Management at University of Toronto, and he's, written a, uh, he's co-written a book with Keith Whitaker and has dozens of contributors uh, for chapters that the rich and not so rich alike can value. It's called Wealth of Wisdom, the Top 50 Questions Wealthy Families Ask, and it identifies what we need to ask of ourselves, and for that matter, others at times, for protection and growth. Tom McCullough joins me now. Good to have you with us. Thank you very much. Listen, your your book identifies not only, of course, these critical questions, but the common traits of success. There are many of them, but run us a few uh, through through a few of what you think are some of the more important traits of success.
1: Well, just by context, by way of context, the book was written for. Families of wealth, but as you rightly say in your introduction, the principles in the book are uh, applicable really to most most families and um, it's divided into a number of different sections, and I think those sections end up being the, the core principles but uh, i if I had to, to say what the key couple of principles would be in terms of um, you know family thriving with regard to wealth, I would say they are related to Thinking about what your values are and what you you want out of your life, uh, and and people often you know take the ready fire aim approach is, as opposed to ready aim fire, and they jump right into doing something as opposed to thinking about well who are we and what do we want and what do we want things to look like. Another principle I would say is something related to planning and setting goals. You know, literally setting, talking, uh, writing down your goals, ordering them in order of priority, and. And then uh, calculating what they're going to cost. Some goals cost something and some, some goals don't. And then I think the third principle I'd say is maybe communication among family members. You know, it's fine, uh, you know, while well, well, you're the, if you're the leader or driver or entrepreneur or matriarch, matriarch, uh, it's fine when the kids are young. But when you start to, uh, the family starts to broaden and there's more than just one person, uh, a lot of, uh, there's a lot of angst that can be avoided or somewhat avoided by good communication in the family.
0: Yeah. I, I want to explore all three of these in our, in our talk today, but um, I'm intrigued right away by the, the question of values. And, and I wonder whether, uh, do you have to, um, adapt your values in all of this or, or largely do you have to then, you have to define them and then work backwards and, and start, uh, uh is essentially adapting your financial strategies to suit them.
1: Uh, absolutely. You start with values. So, um, you, uh, we, we do uh, an exercise with a lot of our families where we, we identify uh, a, a large number of values, say 25. We have cards and we ask family members to order those cards from most important to least important. It's kind of a tough job, but it's, it's, we do it in a fun exercise. But really the point is, you know, what are the things that really resonate with me? What, what are the things that drive me? What are the things that uh, you know, or, or I, would, I would move other things aside to do. And, uh, you know, they say that the happiest people are those who live according to their values. So it's most important that you adapt uh, or, or that you um, you adapt your life to your values and, and not the reverse. Now, in, in a family, you know, it, it's, you, you have to adapt to, if you're more than one person, you have to adapt to each other in some ways. But ultimately, the key is figuring out what each person's values are and maybe where some of the overlaps are and which things are going to drive your decision.
0: Mm, Nice. Uh, Before you can satisfy with the answers to these critical questions, these 50 questions that you've identified, what what in your own mind do you think someone has to be prepared to do? In in other words, what, what what does it take
1: what does it take to um, to move the next step in, in terms yeah, of deciding yeah. values?
0: Yeah, well, and not well, not just I not just in defining your values, but in in determining that really you're going to be serious about generating wealth, about this pursuit of a of a kind of a stable prosperity.
1: Yeah, and I think that's a better a better um, term. You know, it's not necessarily about Making a large amount of money necessarily. I mean, a lot of our clients already have a large amount of money because they've you know, sold a business or have worked in a high paying job for a long time. But I think the key is, I think the key is, um, I think the key is you know, I'm going to say intentionality. And it's, um, you know, maybe, maybe it's, that's hard to do. So maybe you need a coach or you need somebody to help you do it. Somebody with a bit of a framework. The things that aren't urgent often don't get done, even if they're important. So, one of the is the intentionality and desire, and sometimes you you have to seek out a way to do it. Either you can you know you can look it up online. There are ways to do. Let's just use values as an example. You know, start with that kind of kind of uh, process. You can figure out how to do it online, but for a lot of people, they need somebody to help them, you know, be an independent person that will lead them through it and uh, help them make a plan and help them ultimately, quite frankly, stick to the plan. So I think, and that raises a whole other set of issues about how do you actually find somebody who's good, who's qualified, who's experienced, who's trustworthy. Uh, That's a tricky job in itself as well. Yeah. What
0: is the, um, if, if you had to generalize, what's the single most important question then that you have to start with?
1: Uh, well, it's a single most important question is one thing, most commonly asked question is another. So (laughs) I'll answer your question. Single most important question. I think has got to be something to do with uh, either values. What do I want? What is important to me? And a related question to that, because they're both very tied together, is, is what are my goals? And it's very difficult if you, you know, put a gun that proverbially put a gun to somebody's head and say, what are your goals? Often it's very difficult for us to say what those are. We might vaguely say, well, you know, more money or higher return or, you know, something to do with kids. But but to actually sit down and say, I'm going to write down what I want to happen mm-hmm. and I'm going to decide which ones are highest priority. And then I'm going to see if any of them cost any money and figure it then what rate of return I need on my investments or how long I have to work uh, or whatever it is to make sure those goals happen with the lowest, probably the lowest possibility of risk. That kind of intentionality of who, who am I, what are my my values or ours as a family and what are our goals? I think that is a, both of those are very, very important first steps that are usually uh, um, missed as people try and find you know the right investment or pick a stock or you know pick an ETF that's going or pick a uh, manager that's going to outperform the market, and they, they, they miss the most important foundational issues about where they're going. You wouldn't get a car and just randomly drive, you know, rarely anyway. Usually you usually know where you're going, and I'd <laughs> yeah. say most people in, inv- in investing, for example, don't.
0: Yeah. You, you made the distinction in answering that, you know, the, what's the most important versus what's the most common. What, what, what is the most common question that people tend to ask? How, how am I going to make a lot of money? I or something say, like that? yeah, yeah.
1: no, no. Well, it, I guess it depends. I mean, we're dealing with people who have money. Okay. So uh, the most common question we get is, I don't want this money to ruin my kids. What do I do?
0: Don't so want to ruin your odd, kids. Wow. wow. Yeah.
1: You ruin my kids because we have a lot of money and so um we we're worried that this thing that we've worked so hard to to build is actually going to maybe ruin the kids because it's uh, they'll be entitled and won't have a reason to get off the couch and won't ever fully develop so it's not everybody's most common question but it's certainly the most common question that i'd say I get in my practice with uh, families involved.
0: Yeah. I mean, the title of your book is, uh, is of course very important and instructive in this one because it's about wealthy families, not wealthy investors necessarily. Um, Can you instill the values of wealth management in your children? If you don't first start with yourself,
1: Um, you can instill values. uh, Well, there's two things I'd say about instilling any values in children. One is there are certainly opportunities to be intentional about teaching values. So, you know, if you're if we're thinking about, you know, wealth values, you could think about, and every family can do this, having three jars for younger children. Mm-hmm. And if you give an allowance, a third of it goes in the jar for spending, a third goes in the jar for saving, and a third goes in the jar for giving. Mm-hmm. And those are great ways to help children think about money, about generosity, about delayed gratification, all those kinds of things. The other thing I'd say, though, about values is, uh, and this is quoting one of the authors in uh, the book, her name is Ellen Perry, and she writes a chapter called, What Does Passing Values to the Next Generation Really Look Like? And she um, uh, she basically says that values are uh, primarily caught, not taught. Uh. So you can teach all you want. You can say you should do this, you should do that. But mostly our kids are going to be looking at us to see what we do, not what we say. So think of yourself the last time you were in traffic with one of your kids or when you were in a, uh, let me know if these are getting too close to home, uh, <laughs> you know, if you were in a, li- a lineup or on the phone with Rogers or if you were you know, uh, talking to an employee or, or a service person, you know, so the question really is, what are the values that we are, are demonstrating? And there's a pretty good chance that the values that we demonstrate are the ones that will be picked up by our children. And so lots of us will step back and think about that and say, hmm, you know, are these the values? Are, am I demonstrating the values that I want my children to pick up? That can be wealth values like saving or overspending or whatever, but it could be just general values in life
0: as well. And yet, we want our children, obviously to be happy. We probably want for them better things than what we even had. how do you How do you then avoid when you're dealing with things like managing your wealth, not kind of overspending and and lavishing things on them and and uh, doing that out of you know good intentions, but perhaps bad results?
1: I think it's almost always out of good, good intentions and love that parents do what they do. We live in a very busy society. Many of us have two working spouses in the family uh, where we're short on time. And so money, uh, like time, money and time solve a lot of problems, but money can solve it too quickly. Mm -hmm. So we're busy, and so we throw money at a problem. What happens with that is that we we end up um, uh, helping our children helping in a small age, helping our children avoid natural consequences. Yeah. And so for instance, think about the child who goes to university or or a teenager that goes to university and blows through their spending budget uh, that was supposed to last the whole month uh, by the 15th of the month. And they call up and we're really busy and they say, you know, dad, mom, I just blown through this money. And then we top it up. So what does the child learn? They learn there's no such thing as a budget. I don't have to worry about delayed gratification. Um, you know, a whole series of lessons. You know, I don't have to budget. A whole series of lessons that we don't want our kids to learn proudly. We probably want them to learn uh, the impact of their own choices. We want them to learn how to uh, budget and save, all those kinds of things. And, and, buy our, and you know, partly we're busy, but partly we feel bad. You know, oh, well, they didn't let really me know. And we want to help our kids avoid difficulty and pain. But the interesting thing I always think about is when we when you talk to somebody about their character and how their character was formed, mostly people quote things that were difficult. Yeah, It was forged in difficulty. Mm-hmm. And if we take those things away from our children, small and large things, uh, we end up with kids who don't learn those significant lessons. And if it gets more extreme than that, they have trouble moving on in their life. And they have trouble... Uh, receiving rejection and correction at work or uh, in school, yeah. and and then of course it can get into much more serious things than that too. And so I don't think that's only an issue for the wealthy. I think that applies to to many many of us who are sending kids to university, and you know I mean a lot of a lot of Canadians are um, relative to the rest of the world have lots of resources, and so I think these issues will be common.
0: Money is energy, as you know, and those the conversations you have about money. As a family, as you're trying to generate wealth uh, as a as a group, you're trying not to fritter it away on on things that are inconsequential and so on. How how do you counsel families to have their conversations so that they can minimize the conflicts that they have?
1: <laughs> That's a very really good question. Um, there is a really good chapter in the book by a fellow named Charles Collier who was the Head of um, philanthropy, I think, at Harvard University for many, many years, but became a real advisor to families. And he's got a great piece in there called How Do You Start a Family Conversation About Financial Inheritance? That's inheritance, but many, many of the questions that he uh, raises apply, number one, to wealth in general, and number two, to families of all all shapes and sizes and uh, amounts of wealth. But a lot of it is um, he talks about. This is the place where you can talk about your principles and the principles that you have learned uh, as a parent. For example, over time, um, I think another um, principle is that he talks about is um, openness and creating an environment where people can ask, where where kids, for example, can ask difficult questions. There are questions that are, you know, um, um, uh, uh, they're not allowed to ask. Mm-hmm. and uh, and are not going to be avoided, you know, um, money is an awkward topic. And uh, you have to, it doesn't mean you have to disclose everything to your children right away. You can say, you know, we've decided not to talk about the details of it yet, but let's talk, you know, about everything else around that. And I think um, giving, you know, the other thing I'd say is good, not just uh, um, communication, but good kids' experience with small amounts of money early on, give them experience with things that you're doing take them places uh, you know some of the, some of the issues related to wealth are not just the actual creation of wealth or the actual management of money it's also related to you know generosity and how do you encourage generosity in your family because some of that is the idea of sharing wealth wealth is not a static thing as you say it's energy so it's uh, it's the making of it it's the managing of it it's the sharing of it and in the in the in the process, having healthy uh, healthy families. But I can tell you, there's loads and loads in the book on that topic. Yeah. And and you, I don't know if we're, we'll talk about this later, but there are also podcasts and kids um, podcasts related to the book, and kids, uh, uh, you know, younger people are are um, like tend to like that medium as well.
0: Yeah, definitely. Well, here we are in a podcast talking about a podcast, but yes, you you have one, and uh, I I, I want <laughs> to ask about. Uh, because uh, times don't always go wonderfully and um and you know mostly we run into some bumps uh as as families and um and certainly as investors would would say uh there is always uncertainty around the corner at times uh, how how dangerous to the family fabric can be that uncertainty do you think
1: oh well, it can be very very dangerous and um So, uh, you know, I mean, mean, there's no certainty in life, so it's not like, you know, uh, um, wealth or anything can guarantee certainty. I would say one of the benefits of wealth, and there are pros and cons of wealth, interestingly enough, uh, one of the benefits is it does, it has the potential to bring some level of certainty and some level of, of reduced anxiety in the sense that you're not worrying about, you know, um, a roof over your head, or you're not worrying about you know your next meal, or not worrying about kids going to school. Um, the more resources you have, it takes away some of those worries, but it still really doesn't change um, what can happen to kids. You know, and uh, um, I just was reading an article today, in fact, from um, a, a dean of a university, and just talking about the massive rise in um, anxiety and depression of uh of young people at university in in the last you know 3 or 4 years and so obviously you know people who are going to university in us colleges are 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 the families have some level of wealth to accomplish that and these are so these are wealthy families to some extent and kids are still going through that. So I think the, you know, I don't think it's avoidable entirely. And again, back to the idea of not helping kids avoid all natural consequences. Um, some of that is driven by by our society and parents who are pushing kids to achieve more and more and more. And there's a, another great chapter in the book called um, How Can You Help Children Thrive in a World-Focused on Success? And it's a great piece because it's, you know... Everybody wants their children to do well, but by pushing them uh, to achieve in sports or in academics or in, you know, in so many other areas, it can cause tension and family hassles. And those things can continue well beyond children being young, money tensions. Can can last uh, or can occur all the way along the family continuum, especially when kids get older as well. So, sure. there's, I, I'm, unfortunately, there's no silver bullet at all. But um, but communication and safe space to have conversations and some healthy routines are
0: certainly some of the answers. In examining this comprehensively, as you have, and in, in spending the time that you have in in the area of wealth management, uh, you must. Be able now to recognize uh, some of the changes, some of the shifts in family dynamics. You alluded to them earlier: the the, the presence of two-income families, the busyness of everybody. Uh, and I wonder whether you're noticing now that we we have to, in a sense, reconsider um, the way in which we're uh, we're we're managing our wealth to accept the fact that in many cases uh, our children. Don't necessarily share the same values as we do as, as they grow.
1: Yes, and then if they don't, what does that mean? Does that yeah. mean we don't yeah. get the money? Does, does that mean you know? I think I, I you know there's a very a really good piece about a um, uh, couple of pieces in the book about um, how do you find the balance between uh, let me see the title here. How can family support both individuality and a shared dream? Mm-hmm. And that really is the challenge, you know. Somebody said, you can, there's two legacy gifts you give your children. One is roots, and the other is wings. Yeah. And roots is safety and knowing who they are and knowing who they can count on. But wings is about differentiation. And what if my kids have quite different values from me? You know, there's certainly ones that would you know, be very jarring in a family, but it's really important that parents realize that these people are individual people, and they are going to choose their own path, and I did this values exercise, uh, testing it out with my own family a number of years ago probably 10 years ago. And um, there's these 25 values cards with words on them like integrity, and family, and power, and pleasure, and tradition, and so on and so forth. And my daughter did her uh, sorted her cards, and my wife sorted hers, so and my wife. Did, number one value is tradition and my daughter's number 25 value is tradition. <laughs> so that spawned a really, really interesting conversation. Yeah. Now, interesting enough, over time, we realized that that's, that's actually not totally true. We were going to get rid of the real Christmas tree and replace it mm-hmm. with a fake one. My daughter was very negative on that. Interestingly enough. So you know, where does tradition fit? Obviously tradition isn't your least value because that was very important to her. Mm-hmm. So it's interesting just in the conversations. I mean, to me, the issue with the conversation, you're, you're having these conversations as a family and talking about them, and it leads to other, you know, even more significant conversations about who are we and what is what is life for and what is money for and how is money going to help each of us uh, be the best people we can.
0: Um, I, then I should ask you a bit of a personal question. What was the biggest lesson you learned in writing this book?
1: Oh, good question. Um what was the biggest lesson I learned? Um, well, I think a, f- a funny little lesson I'd say is, uh, well, maybe the first one I'd say is, it's really interesting. You know, I, I'm in a business that is usually thought of as related to dollars and cents. You know, we manage the affairs, including investments and tax issues and structure issues of wealthy families. Interesting, in a book of 50 chapters about wealthy families, how many of them are not about money. Oh. They are about... How do you think about family and business together? How do you think about giving? How do you think about choosing advisors? Some of them are money advisors and some are other advisors. How do you, how do you set goals? How do you think about the next generation? You know, so, so yes, there is a technical, you know, uh, uh, core to wealth management that where there is technical advice, but a lot of the work that we do at families. It's helped them figure out the basics. You know, who are we, who do we want to be? What are our goals? What will they cost? Um, You know, how will we incorporate the kids into this? How do we not ruin the kids? How do we choose a good advisor? All those questions. And at some point, yes, you get to how will we invest the money? What should the tax plan be? But interestingly enough, though, I think those issues come later in the process with families, not at the very beginning. And we come back to the most asked question, you know, for the average family, probably it's, you know, what kind, what should I invest in? You know, what, 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 do you like? And my answer is always, I have no idea. We got to wait until we've done this preliminary work yeah. to figure out what it is that you need before you can get to what, what do you have to invest in?
0: And it sounds as if you have to bring to the fray, uh, yes, an IQ, but an EQ as well, an emotional intelligence. Absolutely.
1: Absolutely. And honestly, you know, my business is called a family office, so we, as I say, we look after these wealthy families, and it's very difficult for us to find advisors uh, to who have this set of skills, who know investments and who know planning, but also have this EQ and can deal with families in, in their raw form. And so what we actually do is we hire people with professions of origin, you know, a CA, or a, um, a CFA or a CFP uh, financial type designation, and then we train them ourselves in the other uh, des- the other areas that they don't have built in. And them out, and also train them in the whole EQ process of how do yeah. you deal with the family, how do you listen, how do you not fill the silence. Mm-hmm.
0: Sounds almost like a, a family therapy office at times.
1: There is. Certainly some of
0: that, no question. Tell me, uh, I'll give you a 30-second commercial here for your podcast. Where do you find it? Uh,
1: so so uh, the website is uh, wealthofwisdombook.com. And on that um, website, there's a link to purchase the book on Amazon or whatever your favorite bookseller is. And there is also um, a list of all of the podcasts uh, and the podcasts are essentially interviews with each of the contributing authors in the book. And they are, there's about 20 to 30 of them uh, available and they are conversations about, you know, who the person is, what their background is, how they got to where they are, but mostly about the chapter in the book. And we say, you know, you, you said this in the book, but what did you mean by that? And didn't you say this over here and how does it, all connect and tell us some stories about families and how they've you know, after this or haven't, and there's lessons to be learned. So I can say personally, it's just been a really, really um, wonderful experience for me to get to know these people even better than I did and to hopefully produce something that's of value to the families who are listening to
0: it. Last question on this, because I I, I do want to find out in the end, is there something like a formula of how much time you (laughs) need to allocate to stay on top of things?
1: I, I, unfortunately I would say there's no formula. I would say that, um, it, you know, if there's one kind of lesson to leave is uh, sorting out, it's important to sort out your goals. My, my favorite cocktail party question, when uh, for people often, when they know what I do, they often are asking about investment related issues. And my, my favorite cocktail party question is, what rate of return do you need on your investments to meet all your objectives? Hmm. And I can guarantee you there is no one ever that has known the answer to that question, <laughs> which in some ways is kind of shocking because if you're, it's like if you're getting in a car to head somewhere, you, you usually know where you're gonna head. But mostly people have not sat down, itemized their goals, prioritized them, and calculated how much they will cost.
0: Is, 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 uh, 300, is, is after- 300% not uh, the right answer for that? It-
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly right. And 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 then are those goals achievable in in real life. You know? Yeah. Um we've got yeah. people who've got lots of great goals, but then you you gotta get the three hundred percent rate of return to actually make them happen. And so yeah. I think that's um I think that's the lesson really for for folks is is you know, instead of trying to find the hot manager or the best ETF or whatever, start with it's almost like a balance sheet. You know, On the left-hand side of the balance sheet is your assets. On the right-hand side is your liabilities. You've got to figure out your liabilities might be debt, but they also might be planned spending. How much you want to spend? Do you want to buy a lake house? Do you want to leave money to your kids? How much is that going to cost? Is it going to come from your income, or do you have to you know, grow your assets to fund those things? That side of the planning is the important first step. How long does that take is your question. It depends how complicated your stuff is. It maybe you can find somebody who is a uh, who's very good that can help you do it. That's a that that's a big time saver.
0: Tom, it's been a great conversation. We could go on for a long, long time, but I want to thank you for your time today. It's been a real pleasure to talk to you. Thanks very much. I really enjoyed it. Tom McCullough is the co-author of Wealth of Wisdom: The Top 50 Questions Wealthy Families Ask. And this has been BIV today. I'm Kurt LePoint. Thanks a lot for listening. We'll see you next time.